strong and free in 23. That's what the, the word of the Lord came to our pastors in, in Manchester saying at the beginning of the year. And really, it's that dual side of financial freedom and health. When you have glory stories, and we just call them glory stories because they're just that's a fun little title. But when God's glory comes into your life, he doesn't just deal with one aspect. He tries to, he tries to, hear what I'm saying, he tries to cover it all. There are different flows of anointings. There are financial flows of anointings. There are healing flows of anointings. And you can get very good at healing. You can get very good at financial. You can be very healed, but very poor. You can be very rich and very sick. But strong and free in 2023 has been the prophetic word that we've stood on and we are standing on this year because we know without a shadow of a doubt that he has God is a God who provides our health, he provides our finances, and he provides total victory for the believer. If you just look at Psalm 23... Pastor Paul Brady, who's a minister in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he's very close to our pastors. He's been preaching this. They actually say this, to read this every day. And I know, I've said this before, you, you kind of go, oh, it's Psalm 2023, so we're using Psalm 23. And it sounds cheesy, but there's a power in something. God, you, you know that what 2022 was? John 20, 22, receive ye the Holy Spirit. It was a year of the Holy Spirit. There was something that happened in last year in 2026, 2023. Okay, it's a little bit, you might sit there and think, oh, okay, you're just using numbers. But no, I don't think, I think God's bigger than that. So let me just read this quickly before we move on. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green pastures. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows with blessings. Surely goodness and mercy, my Bible says, will pursue me all the days of my life. Thank you. It's comprehensive, isn't it? If, you, if, if there's a challenge that I could give you is to read Psalm 23 every day. I think that's a noble challenge. I believe that it's, it's one of the most popular Psalms. It's one of the most well-known Psalms. But I believe that there is something that we have not tapped into the revelation of what that actually means. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I have everything that I need. Well, I'm going to move on and, and start ministering on, on some stuff that God's put on my heart. And I believe that God's ministered already to some of you. And I believe that God's got so much more in store for this service, but I'm going to just let um, my wife take the children out and let the kids get started on their bits and bobs. Thank you so much, Louise. If you're just tuning in, 
Welcome to Faith Life Preston. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure and an honor, and it's great to see new faces in the, in the house, <laughs> even though they've already been welcomed about four times. <laughs> but it's, it's great to see them. Um, and thank you so much, David Hazel, just remembering your names. Hallelujah. Right, I'm going to be very unpredictable. We're a Word of Faith church, so we're going to turn to some scriptures that you might know and have heard a lot of. But let's go to Mark 11, 22. We're going to give you an opportunity to give in a moment. We're going to, Veronica is going to come up and explain how to do that. But I want to just, there's some things that I wanted to just mention before we give an option. And it is an option to give. You know, tithing is an option. It shouldn't be. But nobody, no angel's going to turn up your house, knock on the door with a machine gun and say, give me your money. God doesn't work like that. God speaks through his word. And when you have a revelation of his word, things like giving, tithing, healing, health, financial victory, all become simple and easy because you have the revelation of this word. First John actually talks about walking in the light of the gospel, the light of the word of God that you know. Ruth was talking about having a revelation on healing and walking in the, the light of the word of God to establish her physical body for the rest of her life. But you know you can do that in the area of finances as well. Have an established form of provision throughout the rest of your life. In Mark eleven twenty two, and I, 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 I keep reading this scripture verse over and over and over again. I, I know uh, Brother Keith Moore and another minister that I, I've, I'm familiar with. He actually has like a 20-odd series, tape series, uh, CD series, video series, DVD series, whatever. On, and he talks for many messages on these four words, have faith in God. When we sow and give finances... You have to have faith in God. It, it doesn't make sense to give in the natural, does it? As, a, as a, a rich person, as somebody who's poor, especially if you're poor, if whatever poor means to you, it doesn't make sense to give something that I have to help somebody else to get money back. It doesn't, it doesn't make logical sense. It doesn't make worldly sense. But even non-Christians tap into this. They, they, you, you go to some of the best communities in the world and they all love each other. They look after each other and they, they give to one another because they know that giving is, there's something about giving of your time, giving of your money, giving of whatever you've got. There's something about that that actually improves your life and gives you joy. That's a non-Christian thinking. They do it naturally, some people. Some people are incredibly generous. But for you and I as a believer, we can actually attach something alongside of our action. Now, we often say faith without action is what? Dead. But I'm turning it around a little bit. Action without faith is worthless. So you can attach your action of giving with faith to help and propel that act that you do into the results that you're believing for. So if you're believing for financial uh, increase, uh, believe in God for promotion in your job, believe in God for better business opportunities, believe in God for just your basic needs, 
you can attach faith to the action of giving. So when you give, you actually release your faith at the same time. Have faith in God. Your faith is in something bigger than who you are. You are merely a human being traveling through this world. Some of us have more time left. Some of us have less time left. I was just thinking about this, all four of you guys, you know, coming here, and I'm not trying to say anything, but the joy that is on your faces as you are, you know, they walked in with joy. Some people can get really grumpy when they get older, but when we've got the life of eternity on the inside of us, there's joy. And I don't want to make the cameraman laugh too much. But this joy, and, and as we get older and as we get deeper into the things of God, there should be more joy. It shouldn't be, oh my gosh, I'm aching and I'm bent over and I'm so, I just want to go home and be with God. There should be a, a strength and an eternity, eternity actually gets more real to you the closer you get to it. And if you haven't got Jesus Christ, if you're watching it, you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, you're never going to have that joy as you get older. There's only going to come a sense of fear and worry. My dad was incredibly ill when he died a few years ago. Now, he was a Christian. But yet he, the disease that he had, dementia and Parkinson's, a whole host of different things, he did not look like he was ready to go home. I don't know whether he was scared of leaving my mom, and my mom's watching, so I don't want to be too in-depth on it and analytical of it. I don't like to analyze too much, but I'm an analytical person. And he was, it was almost like he didn't want to go. He was holding on to death, to life, as much as he could possibly could, and he was scared to go. But I think if he was in his right mind, the joy would have been there. Because the devil produces fear, not God. Jesus said, I came to give you what? Life. And life more abundant. So the older we get, our body shows it. But I tell you what, our mind doesn't need to. No dementia in this place. No Parkinson's disease in this place. Nothing. Those things fall off because we are young and vibrant. Our inward man is renewed daily. And we have the mind of the anointed one and his anointing. And if you have the mind of the anointed one and his anointing, what does that do? That produces life because it removes burdens and destroys yokes. Isaiah 10, 27. Hallelujah. I believe there's stages in life. There are stages in life where you should be able to become financially strong and then you don't have to worry about the finances and then you can, work, you can focus on the healing and the strength as you get old. You can be strong. I look at some ministers who are 80 plus now preaching strong. Because the life of God, in fact, uh, a lot of old school Pentecostals would be overweight. They'd be preaching the gospel, but they didn't, and they would eat like, I think Brother Hagen used to eat a liter of ice cream every day before bed, before he went to bed at night. <laughs> they didn't understand what we understand about health, but what they did understand is the power of God is much more powerful than anything the devil can throw at them. So you can go on your health nut phrase, eat, eat your protein, plant-based milkshakes and all that kind of stuff. Or you could tap into the life of God that lives on the inside of you. 
And believe me, I, I like the gym. I like, I enjoy the gym. I like to try and eat healthy. But Big Macs, I still like them. Have faith in God. There's three words I want you to remember before we pass on and ask Veronica to lead us in, in receiving our offering. Inquire, desire, and acquire. Very simple. Inquire, desire, and acquire. Mark 11, 22 and 23 tells you how to do this. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown in the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and you not doubt in your heart. Have faith in God is hearing God's word. If you hear God's word and you inquire of God's word, you will hear something to have faith in so that you have no doubt in your heart. So you can inquire of what's on the inside of you and actually believe something. I don't know if that's too complicated a way of saying it, but I, it made sense in my brain. You inquire of the Lord. What does Deuteronomy 28 verse 1 say? Hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. And these blessings will come on you and overtake you. Have faith in God is having hearing in God's word. And when you desire something, it says in Mark verse 24, it says, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. If you pray for something, King James talks about, uses the word desire, doesn't it? So you inquire of God and you find out what the word of God you says. So you find out what the fresh spirit of God speaks to your rhema. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You inquire and you hear the words of God and you desire what he's talking to you about. You desire whatever it is. I don't care. I'm not going to name stuff because it's not about stuff all the time. We make this message about stuff sometimes. It's like believing God for a house or a car. Yes, they, 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 they think there's an element of it, but you could desire for souls. I'm, 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 you know, I, I, sometimes I get to the place where I don't care where I live, but I want people to be saved. God will look after my house. He says, if you give anything up for the gospel's sake, he'll, he'll multiply it back a hundredfold. Whether it be mothers, fathers. So your desire, whatever you desire, ask in your prayer, ask in your heart, ask and in your heart you will have heard. So when you desire something, ask, and in your heart you hear it, you then can reach out and receive it and acquire it. Very simple this morning. Because as you give in faith and your action of giving apply, you know, you, you put, say you take 10 pounds. Let's use 10 pounds. It could, that could be too little. That could be too much for you. I don't really, it's just a number. But when you give 10 pounds into the offering and you put action into that, make sure that you're saying, God, I thank you so much that I have the ability to tithe. I have the ability to give. I have the ability to sow. I have the ability to do this. And I thank you, Father God, that not only can I give, I can receive back more. Multiply my, multiply my giving. I thank you, Father God, for it so that I can do what the desire of my heart is and I will acquire what I'm believing for. Hallelujah. It's simple. Don't make it difficult this morning. Just believe what Jesus says. I tell you, you can pray for anything and you believe it. If you believe it and if you believe that you received it, it'll be yours. Hallelujah. Healing.
victory, finances, jobs, promotions. I think, thank God for the gospel. Jesus said he came to preach the good news to the poor. Preach the good news to the poor. Set the captives free from their captivity. No depression in the household. No depression in Manny's future, in Precious's future, Roberta's future. No depression, no captivity in my children's lives. We thank God for what he has done, but we also thank God that we are going to see so much. So just remember this. When you acquire something, when you reach out and receive, when you believe that you receive, when you become so convinced, and I like this, this is something that I read by T.L. Osborne. He said this, become so convinced that you are born into royalty. Royalty. You know, some of us have, are a bit closer to the royal family than others. I have a corgi. Uh, you, you don't know where this corgi's come from. This corgi is related to a corgi that was bred by the corgi breeder of the queen. My corgi has ro- got royalty in it somehow. I don't know how I managed to get it. Thank God for my pastors who, who sold it to me. But it is a very royal, purebred corgi. So I've got royalty living with me. But you know what? Just because I have a dog who might kind of possibly maybe, if with a bit of better luck, landed up in the palace, doesn't make me royal, does it? My royalty is birthed from the person who lives on the inside of me, the Holy Ghost, the Son of the living God, the Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, lives on the inside of me. So when I am so convinced that I am royal, I can inquire of him, I can desire of him, and I can acquire of him everything. So Veronica, you come up and let us know how to give as you do it so well. (laughs) praise God hallelujah oh well do you know I've been thankful for this week the rain you know what we look and we see the rain but as we've seen the images this week this last month of fires everywhere I just thank God for the rain amen hallelujah so it's that time to um, sow our seeds. It's a privilege to be able to sow our seeds into good soil. Um, so you can scan the QR code that's up on the screen right now, or you can go to the website and you can uh, click on forward slash give Preston, or you can give in the buckets that are going around right now, or you can give by the card machine that's at the back of the, the room. But however you do it, do it with a joyful heart. And do it in faith, expecting great rewards. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Pray. Oh, pray. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we just come and we just thank you. We come with our tithes and our offerings and we sow, Father God, 
with, with thankful hearts, Father God, knowing that our seed will come back to us tenfold, hundredfold. Father God, there is no lack in your house. Your children will not beg bread. Father God, we thank you that we can put our faith and our hope and our trust in everything that we sow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Veronica. Hallelujah. Well, let's just uh, continue that attitude of prayer for a few minutes. Hallelujah. Father God, we just come before you and we are so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for what you would bring and share to us on this Sunday morning. It's a precious time. You want to set the captives free. Thank you, Father God, that we are already free in you. But I pray that this word goes out and touches the hearts of people who perhaps need to hear it far more than what we might think. If you're watching online, I, I challenge you to listen. Accept Jesus Christ. The anointing of God is working and flowing in this place already, and I thank you, Father God, for it. Thank you for miracles. Thank you for healings. Thank you for provision. And thank you so much for revelation. I believe that's what God wants to bring today, revelation. So if you can open your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37. Uh, in praying for this service, and I'm starting slow, I believe I'll build up, but I'm, I'm trying to be sensitive. Hallelujah. Um, we, we often talk about the devotion that Pastor Joel has written at the beginning of this, end of last year, and he's kind of put it into a book format. If you're new here, you can get a copy of that for free. And it's a weekly 52-week devotional. It's not complicated. It's very simple. It's very easy to read. Uh, but what we're doing as, as a ministry and as a church is we're working through that week by week. And this week, I've forgotten what the title is, but it's talking about the baptisms that are available. So it was very doctrinal, very like just explaining a bit of the different baptisms, what are baptism, uh, baptism of salvation and things like that. But there's one part of baptism that I really, really... I hope you can guess which one my favorite one is. <laughs> There's a third one. There's a Pentecostal baptism, isn't there? A baptism of fire. A baptism that comes when the, the believer who has made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior but just decides to take the next level and start to learn something a bit beyond salvation. I thank God that when you get saved, you're getting saved. You're going to heaven. You're eternal. But there's more. Aren't you happy that there was more than just your salvation? Now, I personally believe that when, when we bring people up eventually and when we have people coming down to the altars, I don't want them to have to wait six years for this next third part. The kids are having fun. I believe that when Jesus said, be like the little children... He, it refers to the baptism of the Holy Ghost just as much as it refers to anything else. Wildfire. 
Some people, some churches are scared of wildfire. They're scared of little, they, they don't want Christians to be out of line. And they, don't, they want Christians to be reserved and conservative and sitting down. But there's a, there's, a, there's a thing, we have a bit of an issue in the morning before or during the setup where we have to corral the children away from the expensive equipment because they just go, they're in church, so they just let their hair down. They run around and play tag and, and shout and scream. And, and you know what, I, I, I know some people might disagree with me, but I actually don't want them to shut up. I, I spend enough of my life telling my children to, at home to calm down or, or, you know, we're trying to eat dinner, so just lower the, the tempo. But I don't want to spend my life yelling at children and telling them to stop being who they naturally are because they're excited to be, especially when they're in the house of God. Were you one of these generations that were, I was brought up and just yelled at when I was at church? You know, be quiet. Stop, stop fidgeting. Stop, take your hat off. And if you're not careful, you bring your children up in that environment, and they're just going to run away from church as fast as they can. They, you know, it gets really strict. Back in the day when, when you weren't allowed to go to the cinema, when you weren't allowed to, to do anything, wear makeup. I've got lots of makeup on today just to rebel against. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but there was a time where women weren't allowed to wear makeup. They weren't allowed to wear jewelry. And that was actually supposed to be a sign and a reflection of the baptism of the Holy Ghost because it was the Pentecostals who decided to tell people that. You had to wear your hair in a certain way. You had to do this. You had to do this. Rules and regulations came out. You know what it was? It was the devil infiltrating a church that was on fire for God and squashing them down and making them, trying to reflect something that was going on the inside of them on the outside and say, look, we're different from the world because we don't wear makeup. We don't do this. We don't wear deodorant. We don't do all this kind of silly things. That's not Holy Ghost in fire. My children are Holy Ghost in fire. When they run around and they get excited and they have too much sugar, that's Holy Ghost in fire. That, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious here. Our children, when they're a light and they're excited about things, are, are a true reflection and a true example of how the believer should be carrying the presence of God on a Monday morning to work most of us don't like Monday morning work. I, I, I've been blessed for many years to have Mondays off. Even when I used to work in the, in the secular world because I had to work Saturdays and because I, I said I couldn't work Sundays, I got Sunday, Monday off. So Monday was never really an issue. But Tuesday morning, I didn't want to get up. Not at like 5.30 in the morning to get to work for 6. I've also been very blessed to live in Southport, and usually when, when I, where I worked was five minutes down the road. I hop on the bike. But people who, you know, these, these guys who travel to Manchester from Southport like an hour and a half in the morning, dealing with, I, I don't know about you, I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but the older I get, it seems like everyone else's driving gets worse. I, I, I don't know if it's the age that we live in or it's just me, but I, I feel like I'm having to deal with anger issues because people just are just rude when they drive and my definition of rude is probably a lot a lot looser than some people's when Frankie and Elson cut us up this morning on the way to church I, we, we immediately texted her and said what are you doing they, they passed us they didn't realize it was us we were watching 
We video recorded the driving. <laughs> you know, when you're in a 30 mile in an hour zone and the car goes past you, I tell you, Elson, I'm messing. It wasn't that bad. But you see, people, people, this world's always going to get, I mean, I can twist this into anything. This, this world is getting dark. <laughs> so people's driving is probably actually a better thing. If they, got, if they it cut you up, at least they're not like, I mean, I, the other, in the late district on holidays, I saw one guy just bomb past on this little the thing and just pull right in front of me. And I got a nice little hand signal. He like, turned around and waved smiley face at me. People don't know how to live right. And whatever's on the inside of them will come outside of them. So when you're going to work on a Monday morning with no fire and no zeal and no passion, I kind of wonder what you were doing on Sunday. Sunday should be the most on-fire, explosive kind of moment when you come. Now, that can be very quiet. An explosion can be quiet. If you have an explosion in space, does it make any sound? Don't believe Star Wars. There's no sound in space. So you can have an explosion with no sound and be very at peace, but something on the inside is just rocking and rolling. Hallelujah. But then there might be a moment just to just let rip. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm wearing trainers today for the first time on a Sunday morning for a while, and I'm quite enjoying them. My feet are comfortable today. I'm ready to run today. I'm ready to dance today. I'm waiting for you, Lord. You, you, you guys are waiting for me. I'm waiting for you. Because the God of God, the God of gods, and he is. He's the total supreme God. He li- you know, he lives on the inside of you. Little Elson, quiet Elson, safe driving Elson. The creative force of God lives on the inside of you. And, and, and I minister differently than, say, Ruth will minister. And Ruth will minister differently than Frankie ministers. But it's the same creative God on the inside. The African God that created the, the earth is the same God as the British God who sails the seas. Hallelujah. I thank God for our British heritage that took the gospel all over the world. But I also thank God that the, the African heritage is bringing it back. Hallelujah. But I'm not going to be less fired up than the African ministry, minister who comes to my shore. I, I, I'm determined. I'm not going to be outdone by another Christian. It's like what Jesus said. If, 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 you don't, if you don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. Are you going to let a rock do your job? Hallelujah. Christina buys new shoes r- rapidly. Uh, we've been told that we need to go around to her house. I don't know. She, yeah, uh, they may well be new. But she buys shoes. She doesn't buy shoes. So many different pairs of them to sit on the couch all day. She, she, there, should be, there should be something in her feet to praise the living God with. Because a rock will do it for you. I, I, do not want, I do not want to come to church in Salisbury and just see a bunch of trees moving and, and saying, right, okay, you, the, there's a bunch of people who didn't turn up today, so we're going to come instead and sit down and praise God. Because we aren't doing our job. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't even, I've not even started the scripture verses. Ezekiel 37. Does everyone know what that is? 
a valley of dry bones. Let's just read it. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. By the Spirit, 2022, by the Spirit. 2023, strong and free. We're strong and free because the Spirit of God has got us to that place. He led me all around the bone, among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground, and they were completely dried out. Just imagine that. Have you ever seen, um, probably see it in science fiction films or, 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 or something like that, where, where like, or a mystery film or something like where somebody opens up a door and there's just like bones everywhere. And we all wonder why. What, what's, what's the point? Does it, did an animal do it? Did a, did a human do it? Is it? Who's the murderer? And all that kind of stuff. And there's bones scattered everywhere, just dry as anything. That would be quite shocking to the heart. They scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, God asked him, Son of man, can these bones of living people come again? Can these bones become living people again? What did he answer? Don't look. Did he say yes? <laughs> he said, only you know. He wasn't stupid. When God asks you a question, don't try and answer the question for him. Because you don't know the answer. Find out what, he, he, what the answer is from him. Not, don't try and figure it out for yourself. Sorry, is that a little bit of a side journey for you? So if God asks you a question, just say, I don't know. You let me know, please. Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to this. And you know what, so what's amazing about this? When you go back to God and say, you know the answer, you know what God's going to say? Um, I'm not going to tell you. Veronica, you don't deserve to know the answer. What did he say? What did he do? Then he said, speak. God's answer to the answer that Ezekiel gave him was to speak. Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, not only did God tell him to speak, he told him what to say. We've just spent five, ten minutes talking about have faith in God. You can have whatever you say. You speak to the mountain, you cast it out into the sea, and you have whatever you say when you believe it in your heart. See, when you hear from God, you can believe it. I think this is one of the biggest things that Christians fail to grasp on the level that God wants them to grasp it, that God himself is talking to you, and he wants you to do what he says. When God asks you to move house from one location to the next house, you can do it. When God tells you to move from one country to another country, you can do it. When God tells you to give a certain amount of money, you don't have a discussion with him about it. You just do it. You know why I believe God uses money so much? Because it's tied to our heart, where your treasure is. So if money is connected to your heart and you are able to, to obey him and live it. Brother Hagen tells a story, if you don't know who Brother Hagen is, he's a minister from, the, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, very early 20s, 1920s, 1930s. Uh, and he um, had a revelation on Mark 11:23, have faith in God. 
But he was a minister, a pastor, very young. In, in, he, must, he started pastoring, I think, at 17, 16, 17. He got a Baptist boy preacher and he became a pastor. And God told him, I can't remember the exact details, so I'm a bit hazy on it, but the story was basically that God said, give this minister, this visiting minister, all the money that you've got. And of course, back in those days, the honorarium for this minister may have been $2, but he had $10 in his pocket. It would have paid for his, his rent. He would have paid for all his food. But God told him that he wrestled with it for like about two hours and eventually gave it to him. And there was another op- um, an opportunity where God said, give some other money to somebody else a few years later. And he wrestled with it, but eventually he did it. And we sit there and think, well, $10 is nothing, but that's like a week's wages for him. So God told him to do something, and he wrestled with it. There's nothing wrong with you having a bit of a wrestle with God. I understand that. You're going to have to process things through. God's not like, you know, when you tell your child to do something, and he has a conversation with you about it, and you really get, you get annoyed by it, but God doesn't get annoyed by that. He wants to have a conversation. It's a relationship. When I ask my wife to do something, and she doesn't want to do it, we have a conversation about it. I don't take a baseball bat and bat her over the head and say, why haven't you washed the dishes when I told you to wash the dishes? That we're in a relationship. So there's nothing wrong with you having a discussion. So he wrestled with this and did it. But years later, there was a woman on a deathbed that God sent him to, to minister to. And I have to say, I can't remember the exact details, but it got to the point where they were praying, and then he had a revelation to say, use the name of Jesus. This woman, this, this devil was cast out of her, and it was miraculous, and it was wonderful and amazing. This lady got off the dead bed, etc. And God said to him, if, if you hadn't given those $10, that $20, I couldn't have used you in this. See, God's dealing with your heart when he's dealing with your finances so that he can do something supernatural with you when he needs to. You can hear, if you can hear him on money, you can hear him on laying hands on the sick. But if you try and do it the other way and say, I'm not going to listen to you on money, he's not going to talk to you about sick because he's dealing with your heart. It's very easy for me to pray for Veronica if she has a bad back. But it's very difficult for me to make sure I make a decision to tithe and to give because it's something of mine. So the obedience is necessary in one side to get the results in the other side. Flexibility in the things of God is so important. So Ezekiel was told, speak to these bones. Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscle and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. So we got to a certain level. We've got the bones covered with flesh. They're ready to go. And then he said to me, you see, God, he obeyed God and said what he was supposed to say and got to where he was supposed to go. He then made sure he heard what the next step was and the next step was speak 
a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the fort. And he basically took the next step. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. Why am I going through all this? It's, it's a very prophetic kind of flow. But you see, mankind was so ripped apart from God in rebellion that something needed to happen that was so supernatural that could actually say, these people can live again. Now, many people use these scripture verses concerning the church, concerning revival. I've been in many meetings where, you know, we speak to the church, you know, call those dry bones, you know, you, you bunch of Christians are dry and, and boring, and, and I get it. And I am speaking to you, if you're feeling a bit dry, if you're feel, feeling a bit bony, that there's no flesh on you, there's a place in God that can bring you to a place where you are alive again. So that you're, the life in you, the life of God in you, just, it, it's just thrilling to be a Christian again. I tell you, it's one of, one of the hardest things as a Christian to do is to be consistently on fire. And what's amazing to me and what's amazing when I think about it is the fuel or the, the, the gas that is needed to keep the fire burning never gets turned off from heaven. But we turn the volume down. We turn the, the flow down. We decide, well, no, actually, God, you're giving me everything, but I'm just going to turn it down because I just can't be bothered today. But if we would just keep that knob turned up, you think Jesus Christ would be much long returning if the church of Jesus Christ was so on fire all the time? If we were constantly going into all the world and preaching the gospel, if we were constantly sharing what we have on the inside of us, if we were constantly laying hands on the sick, the valley of dry bones came alive when it was spoken over them and spoken and spoken and spoken and something happened to these bones where they got, they got so structured, restructured into human form again and then filled with the Spirit of God and they ran and they were able to become a mighty moving army. This is the church of Jesus Christ, a mighty moving army. And some of us have been around long enough to see the ebbs and the flows of the way the church has gone. You know, one moment we're up, and then one moment we're down. And then one moment we're up, and then one moment we're down. But I'm telling you, these last days, we're going to start getting on a high that isn't going to come back down. We're going to get closer and closer to eternity. We're going to get closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. We're not going to give up. We're not going to throw it on, 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 the, on the, the dung heap. We're not, gonna, we're not just going to just collapse because of the pressures of it all. No, we're going to just gird up about our loins and start running like the prophet Elijah. He started running because what did he hear? The sound of abundance of rain. Hallelujah. This army that God is rising up under the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the word of God and the flow of the spirit of God. When they come combined together, there is such a move that is expected. Smith Wigglesworth saw it. He prophesied over it. And he saw the days that was coming when this move, all the moves that had happened before just come into one. And then suddenly we start to see teachers. We see apostles. We see evangelists. We see fiery pastors. We see people ministering the word of God with power and the word of God going forth boldly, boldly, boldly spoken. 
and miracles and signs and wonders. So like what Peter walked down the road and he just saw his shadow touch and grab a hold of people and raise them up. Such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Hallelujah. Dry bones are rattling no more. You know, the old witch doctors used to have these bones, they rattle, and then death, and see, blah, evil stuff. Nothing compares. I've looked into the eyes of people who are demonically possessed. They don't want to look at you because they see light. I think it's T.L. Osborne, it might be, it might be, um, Lester Summerall, who talks about why, why do demon, how stupid are demon-possessed people or demons who control, how, why would you even go in a church? Why, I mean, if, if, if I knew, if I was a criminal and I had lots of guns on me, drugs on me, I just looked like I was the bee's knees in the criminal world and everyone knew it and I walked myself into a police station and said, yeah, I've, I'm actually guilty. How stupid would you be as a criminal? You wouldn't last very long. You'd be in prison before you knew it. Why, why would a demon-possessed person or a demon drive a demon-possessed person to sit into a church service where the anointing of God is? Now, we could say, well, they come to cause problems. To see if... I, I, think there's, I think there's something in them that misses where they were, where they should be. At any moment... Even though they know they might get cast out into their dry places, they just crave, they just want to be near it for that moment. Adam and Eve, there are, if you read, there's a book called the Book of Adam. I don't, it's not Bible, it's, what, it's, it's, it's just old writings and stuff, but it tries to say what they went through after they fell. And it's, if you read it, I've never read it myself, so I've only heard what people have said what's in it, but it's almost heartbreaking of the, the level that they ended up after being filled with the very glory of God. Oh, I tell you, I'm kind of jealous of some people that get to go to be with Jesus soon. Because I, there's something that's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye when we get our new bodies. Paul said, it's for me to die as gain. Gain. There's no fear in death. It's like leaving, taking your suit off. And casting it aside. Hallelujah. Dry bones. <laughs> you see, when we understand this simple scripture verse in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 15. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 15 says this. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. That is a representation of the Holy Ghost in fire on your life. The battle is not yours, but God's. One translation says you're going to make it. A Christian baptized in the Holy Ghost has everything he or she needs to be a complete success in life. Jesus was baptized in the Holy Ghost. 
And he said that when we get baptized in the Holy Ghost, we will go from Jerusalem to Samaria to the rest of the world, carrying the gospel. Many of the disciples became apostles. They became sent ones. Thomas, who went to India. You know, the, the doubting apostle, the doubting disciple, ended up ministering to that horrible heathen nation and bringing a mighty move of God there. The Apostle Paul, I mean, we're, we benefit from the Apostle Paul going left instead of going right. If he'd have went towards Russia, maybe Russia would be a completely different one, and we'll be the bad guys of the world. But he went where the Spirit of God led him, and we received the gospel. And I thank God the gospel went into Ethiopia. Philip, who met that Ethiopian guy on the chariot, that guy must have had such a ministry after that. He saw a man pop up in the middle of nowhere and then disappear because he needed explanation of the Word of God. And he carried that gospel with him. Hallelujah. I, I wonder sometimes, I wonder if, if he, he had a bit of a, an anointing on him to, to be translated. You know, if you hang around with certain ministers, you grab a hold of what they minister. You look at Daniel Kalinda, who's carried on from Reinhard Bonnke. You look at Ka Benny Hinn, who carried on from Catherine Kuhlman. All these different people. This, this, this Ethiopian, I wonder if he popped around a few different places. <laughs> he had the translation anointing. I, you know, <laughs> hallelujah. I would love to just be, you know, popped to somewhere else on a Sunday morning and someone else come here. I, I would love to, I'd love to see it in Faith Life where we just get all sent around. It's like, oh, hello, Pastor Joel. <laughs> no traveling, yeah, fuel costs down. You see, this is, yeah, yeah. See, you're afraid of things to come because it might get worse. You're afraid of things that are coming because it might get tighter. It might get stronger, evil, more darker. But I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to tell you that no matter what comes, my God is bigger. My God is louder. My God has more provision. My God has more healing. My God has more victory than anything the enemy can throw at us. If I need to send you to another country, I do not need an airplane to send you there. We've got to understand this. With a fire in our bones. Hallelujah. Sometimes you have to just pray in tongues because you've got nothing to say in English. Because what's coming out of your tongue is a heavenly language. A language that speaks to God. A language that connects to the spiritual and the supernatural. The baptism of the Holy Ghost in fire was not meant to just give you something to t talk about. Oh, in 1923, I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I've been not the same since. I'm more miserable than grumpy. There are Pentecostals who talk like that, but I'm not one of them. Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This church is an on fire yes. church, and it's not because of me. It's because you will all step in to the same grace, the same victory, the same life. Christina might not move much, but I can see it in her eyes. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. You know what? When we get a bigger building, I'm going to do a racetrack. I want to I run. Do you remember, Ruth, the days of living faith, running around living faith? Oh, 
Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. When the fire of God gets in your feet, you got to get a run in. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to close there. Elson, if you can come and play for a few minutes, and we're just going to close out this service with prayer. Hallelujah. I just sense the gears have shifted. Hallelujah. Just worship him. Just give him praise. It's all very good, the guy with the microphone getting excited. But what's on the inside of your belly right now? What's on the inside of you right now? What's inside of you? What's, where's the joy inside of you? Where's the victory on the inside of you? Where's the praise on the inside of you? Where's the fire on the inside of you? Hallelujah. The anointing is flowing. The victory is flowing. The presence of God is flowing. Hallelujah. There's, a, there's another level flowing. There's a stepping up today. There's an anointing to step up today. There's an anointing to run faster today. There's an anointing to to get some Holy Ghost swagger back into your life. To be able to walk down the road and say, Devil, I'm coming. You better move because I ain't changing course. I'm going straight. I'm following the plan that the Lord God has assigned me to follow. I'm following the plan. I'm taking my steps. No enemy in his right mind can stand in front of me. Hallelujah. And if you do, you're cast into the sea. You're getting sent to packing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We worship you. We worship you. King of glory. Fill this place. King of glory. Praise you, Jesus. You alone are worthy of my praise. I will give you, you all my worship. All of it. I will give you, you all, all my, my praise. You, you alone, alone I long to worship. Sing it out from the bottom you of your soul. I, I worthy of my praise. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone I worthy of Hallelujah. my praise. I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone I worthy of my praise. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. I will give you all my worship. 
worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone I worthy of my praise. Lord, I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone I worthy of my praise. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. Five seventeen says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm pretty 99% sure everyone in this room has done that. But if you are online watching, I ask you, what would happen if you died tonight? Where would you go? Would you go to heaven of eternity, of life? Or would you go to hell, a place of death and torment? I tell you, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And I'm giving you this opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. All it is is a simple prayer, but it's a massive decision. It's a decision that buys you and puts you into a place of eternity for the rest of your life. And it starts today. Today is the day of your salvation. Confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. Make him your God. All you have to say, Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord. I believe that you died for me and that you were raised from the dead for me. That's it. Believe it in your heart. Now, if you prayed that simple prayer, you can contact us, faithlifecenter.com forward slash Jesus. And you can get in contact with us and let us know that you've done that. It'd be great if you did. Hallelujah. You are welcome to the family of Christ. And I would love to see you down here. I'd love to shake your hand. If you're in another country, just email us, get in touch, and we'll get in contact with you back. Hallelujah. Thank you and welcome to the family. Well, thank you, Father God, for such an awesome service. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your fire. Thank you for everything that you've accomplished in our hearts today. And we give you all the glory. We thank you and we say goodbye to the broadcast. Thank you so much for watching. We love you. We'd love to see you down in the building, Salisbury Hotel in Preston. We're building a church, a large church, word, of, word and spirit church that reaches Preston in every area around. And we just would love to see you here. There's a seat saved for you.